This podcast is powered by the leading at the top of your game development experience. If you would like to work with Karen and the shockingly different leadership team to up-level the leadership execution acumen within your organization, visit developingyourgame.com to find out more. I'm scared to death trying to not let her see my organs, you know, internally shaking. She whispers in my ear and she said, you're here because you're not afraid to be transparent and vulnerable with your story. And if you will lock eyes with me and pretend that we're having a girl chat, just like we're in my living room, she said, you have the opportunity to impact millions of women that are dealing with this same situation. And she said, can you do that? And I said, yes. Welcome to the lead at the top of your game podcast where we equipped you to more effectively lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. Each week, we help you sharpen your leadership acumen by cracking open the playbooks of dynamic leaders who are doing big things in their professional endeavors. And now your host, leadership tactics and organizational development expert, Karen Farrell-Rhodes. Hey there, superstars. This is Karen and welcome to today's episode. Sometimes when you're a leader, your story is your power. It draws legions of people to you and convinces them to follow your lead. And while stories are powerful, it is common to be hesitant to be vulnerable when your story contains some traumatic life challenges. Our guest today overcame that fear of being vulnerable, although she admits it wasn't easy. We are so pleased to feature Denise Schroeder, She's the founder and co-CEO of Schroeder Real Estate Group, which she co-leads with her husband, Troy. Denise has used the power of storytelling to have her adult life chronicled and documented through the years through appearances on Oprah, Steve Harvey, Rachel Ray, CBS The Talk, House Hunters, and season 20 of Worst Cooks in America. She has an art for tapping into the power of media and TV appearances to gain local recognition for her real estate agency, increase her branding, and helping she and her husband's business uh, to experience a fast climb to success. So be sure to stay tuned for just two minutes after the episode to listen to my closing segment called Karen's Tape, where I share a tip on how to use insights from today's episode to further sharpen your leadership acumen. And now, enjoy the show. Hey there, superstars. This is Karen, and welcome to today's episode on the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast. I am super honored and pleased to have a dynamo in the real estate industry (laughs) that has such a fascinating background, even over and above that. Uh, You know, we're just going to have a blast today. So pleased to welcome to today's show. Ms. Denise Schroeder, who is the founder and co-CEO of Schroeder Real Estate Group. She runs that uh, business with her husband, Troy, and she's also the author of a new book called Out of the Box. And we're going to pull back the layers of the onion and let her tell about that in a bit. But welcome to the show, Denise. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) We are so excited to have you. 
And listeners, I was teasing with Denise right before we went live that I loved her name because Denise is my middle name mm-hmm. and I resonated instantly. So Denise, um, share that little known fact that I didn't know about our name. Yes, our name actually means wise discerner. So wise discerner. Nothing's getting past <laughs> us. Not at all. <laughs> We're on our game. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a gift. <laughs> <laughs> it is, and I will accept it, and I'm sure you will too. Yes. That description. <laughs> I sure will. Well, Denise, for as much as you feel comfortable, would you mind starting out by sharing just a, a little sneak peek about your personal background? Sure. I am. I'm a small town farmer's daughter, so that means I have a really strong work ethic. That's something farmers are known for. So my dad taught me to always, always work hard. And um, I always had a dream of getting out of this little bitty small town and like ending up in New York City. I've always been a performer, a singer. I went to college on a vocal scholarship and I always had this dream of ending up in New York City. But I ended up having this like champagne taste on a beer budget. And so I ended up in Oklahoma City, which is like an hour and a half from my little town. But it's where I was supposed to be, you know, even though it wasn't my initial childhood dream. It's where I built my family and my career, and my business, and it's it's where I was supposed to land. So, so that mm. that's that's something I'm really thankful for, and I've been here ever since. I've never left Oklahoma. So wow, so yeah, the uh, deep roots there, huh? <laughs> yes, deep roots. And is that where your practice is too? Yes, it awesome. sure is. Awesome. Probably, I would say. Well, in 1999. I learned the power of like storytelling. Um, My first public speaking engagement was on the Oprah Winfrey show. And I had, um, I'd written in a letter to her because I was having some hormonal issues after I had a baby and my doctor wouldn't listen to me. Everybody told me I had postpartum and I knew my body and I knew that's not what was going on with my body. They wanted me to take an antidepressant and sit down and be quiet. And so I, I wrote in, I emotionally dumped this letter to, to Oprah. And within an hour, I had a call from her lead producer, Mary Donahue. And I was shocked that I even, I never expected to hear anything back. So she said, we're going to fly out to your house in just a few days. We're going to film you all day, kind of get to know you, build your story, film you doing your everyday things. And then we'll fly you back to Chicago to Harpo studios for the show. And I'm just like, is this even, is this real? Oh my and goodness. So, you know, I told her, I said, I've never really done public speaking on this kind of forum before in my life. Right. And so you get up there and there was a few guests and you sit that Oprah seats you in the front row of the audience. So when she asks a question, the camera pans to you and they try to make you feel comfortable. You're kind of melting into the audience. And I said, I can do this. Well, about right. 10 minutes before she started. She said, I want Denise up here with me the entire show, like on stage with, me. and I'm thinking, oh, are no. you kidding me? <laughs> so I get up, I take a deep breath and I put my shoulders back and I, I sat down next to her and she's doing like sign language under her chair to, for someone to change her shoes that weren't comfortable. She's standing up, unbuttoning her pants saying, I had too many carbs for lunch. And I'm scared to death trying to not let her see my organs, you know, internally shaking. Sure. She whispers in my ear and she said, you're here because you're not afraid to be transparent and vulnerable with your story. 
And if you will lock eyes with me and pretend that we're having a girl chat, just like we're in my living room, she said, you have the opportunity to impact millions of women that are dealing with this same situation. And she said, can you do that? And I said, yes. <laughs> you know, when she what asked you if you could do you something, say, right? <laughs> you say yes. And so yes. that was my, I think my first really, you know, going on the show for the topic I was going on, I didn't have a sex drive. They, they titled the show women who don't want sex. Oh, That's not man. a fun title to have. No. So, and my mom wasn't, you know, real thrilled about that either. Right. From a small town because the show was about a lot of things that were hormone related, but that is part of one of the symptoms. Right. She found out I had no testosterone. I didn't have postpartum. So mystery solved. I'm so glad that, that I went there and it was one of the highest rated shows in 99. So I went back six months later to talk about my results after I'd gotten on some testosterone supplements and just share the story. And since then, my my life has kind of been adult. It's been chronicled um, on major TV shows for very different things. Um, for different topics? Because I know right. you had mentioned so, there were quite a few you've been on. Um, Steve Harvey. Yeah. Um, but so to backtrack, so it kind of tethers together, I wanted to get my real estate license about 23 years ago. And I was married at the time. I had two young kids. They were just starting school. And I had worked in property management. I'd had one of my superiors come to me and say, look, you've, run all, you've won all these rookie sales awards. The natural progression for you would be to get your real estate license. And so I was, that seed was planted in me. You know, when somebody mm -hmm. sees you and they see a gifting in you. And yes. so when I came to my family and friends and I said, I want to get my real estate license, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. I was met with, you can never make it. It's too saturated. Why would we lie in the garage walls with superficial pictures, uh, you know, signs with your face on them with no yard to stake, like outer limits, craziness. Right. So the dream didn't die, but I, you know, I suppressed it. It was definitely something that I buried and I began to feel pretty defeated. I began to realize I was in a really toxic relationship where every idea, thought, decision was based around creating a peaceful environment, um, not about me being myself. I had become like a shell of myself, a very censored, watered down version of me. And so I, I heard this soundtrack in my head, you know, you're not worthy. You don't have any value. You don't have what it takes. You're not enough. And I mm -hmm. had just started believing that over, you know, the course of time. And so I really, really wanted to, I knew I needed to get out of this relationship. And so I saw a advertisement in Oklahoma City about donating your eggs. And this is something I just recently, you know, I put in my book and I hadn't really verbalized it to people. Um, it was something very diabolical that I did. It was a $1,500 bonus. If you donate your eggs, I had to give myself hormonal shots like three times a day for about 10 weeks. Wow. I was swollen. I was bruised. I was a hormonal nightmare. And Is it to give your eggs as a gift to someone else yes. for you to use? Okay. Wonderful. So even though I felt like I was blessing someone, it, it was really hard thinking that I was doing this kind of diabolical act. 
but I had no money. I had no resources. I didn't have any money to start a nest egg. And it was just something I saw, you know, as an answer. So I did that and I pursued, you know, leaving the relationship that, that I was in. And it cost me over 50 grand to get sole custody of my kids. It was mm. a really, really dark time in my life. And mother who I just turned 50. So my mother was 49. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good <laughs> thing. Um, she was di- misdiagnosed with a hernia. Well, she actually had stage three colon cancer. And when they went in to look for what was going on, they found a tumor and they said, it's amazing news. It's encapsulated. You don't even have to have preventative chemo. We got it out. She continued in that hospital where she had the surgery to lose like 15 pounds. And she was already like 90 pounds. She was emaciating. She was withering away. And the pastor's wife came to my, came to the door and said, get her out. She's dying. They're killing Mm -hmm. her here. So they Mm -hmm. metaflighted her to Oklahoma city and the surgeon said they've mutilated her. They left perforations all throughout her colon. And we Mm -hmm. found out that the surgeon was in a hurry to get to a college football game. And so he did a shoddy surgery on my mom. She was dead a few months later. So I was dealing with that at the same time as I'm dealing with this really acrimonious situation with my kids. I didn't even know which situation to deal with or grieve. And it was a difficult time. So mm-hmm. I went to counseling for two years, two times a week. And I just, I committed wholeheartedly that I wanted to heal the broken parts of me. So I didn't break other people. And first and foremost, my kids, that was so important. And so I committed to getting myself healthy and reprogramming myself and rebuilding my self-esteem and getting my identity back. And so in, you know, fast forward many details, you know, a couple years, I moved to a little suburb and I'm working in an office and in walks my FedEx guy, the most gorgeous man, the biggest blue eyes, this like <laughs> magnificent smile, the sexiest legs. Oh. And Troy, we, we saw each other every day for five years before our first date. I tried to set him up with other people. I wasn't in a place that I wanted to date and it it just wasn't the right time. But once Mm -hmm. we had our first date, we quickly, you know, when you know, you know, you know, you know, and we, we got married, we blended five teenagers, four of them were girls and everyone thought we were nutbags. And we, you know, in retrospect, we probably were, we probably were. Then yeah, we put our job. Sounds like a lot of fun once that <laughs> light, <laughs> light of a guy, yes. your soulmate comes in. You know, well, it, yeah, it we don't, we've, we've like both been with partners that we couldn't be free. We've never felt like we were the butterflies that we were meant to be. We both always wanted to be self-employed, so we lock arms and we quit our jobs on the same day within a year that we got married. And oh, that is amazing. We did financial services for a bit, and he had a childhood friend that said guys, this company's incredible. Come with me on this ride. Trust me. We trust him seven miles to feed. He wasn't thriving. He was actually going bankrupt when we quit our jobs. So we were devastated that he had lied to us about a lot of the, you know, things about this company and about our, our potential. So we were not going to tell our family. We're not, we weren't going to tell our family that that didn't work out because they'd all say, well, go back and work for the man. 
get a mm-hmm. job. So we did some other things in between and um, before we arrived at doing real estate. So it wasn't easy. Basically, he came to me one day and said, do you want to do real estate together? And can you imagine my response? I was like, angels were singing. Yeah. So I told him, I said, I've waited two decades to do this. This is what I know I'm meant to do. And being able to do it with the love of a lifetime, like there's a lot of pressure because failure is not an option. Yeah. Going, but I bet you would dove right in, right? So how did you? You did. What is the I, process? Like? I decided that I wanted the the seeds that someone planted in me so many years ago that were negative, that I could mm-hmm. never make it and never stand out. I said, I'm going to use those negative seeds for good and we're going to pave our own lane and we're going to do things differently. And so that's what awesome. we've done with our social media approach, with our use of storytelling. We've used, um, we've gone on Steve Harvey as blended family experts. I've gone on. I became a private investigator in my own home with teenagers. So I went on Steve Harvey (laughs) for uh, dangers of teen technology was what it was. The the show was called. Mm -hmm. Um, I've done the food network, worst cooks in America, done Rachel Ray, HGTV house hunters. We've done that four times. And now we host our own show selling Oklahoma city, the American dream. So we've been able to use the power of storytelling in media, press releases, TV, um, coaching, volunteer teaching at schools, at colleges, teach about leadership, teach about your, what you do when you get the, the uh, attention in the media, whether I'm going on Steve Harvey or the food network, which has nothing to do with real estate. It always says Oklahoma city realtor being featured on the food network, Oklahoma city realtors bringing HGTV back. So we've been able to create this local recognition. And it's been really amazing how exponentially that we've grown through using these mass, you know, like HGTV house owners gets 96 million households that watch it. Think about we're one of them over here. My husband is addicted. So it's free free for us to get on. It's a lot of work, you know, but the exposure is just phenomenal. Amazing. Now, is it hard? So tell us a little bit more. I want to unpack that a little bit um, because number one, you are a fantastic storyteller. So let me just give you kudos there. Um, But for the everyday Jane and Joe who does not have connections, you know, in the industry, I mean, we all know it's, it's, um, it's kind of hard to get your, you know, forget a 15 minutes of fame, five minutes of fame. Um, what what were some of the best mechanisms to capture the attention of such shows? Well, if you see a show that's kind of related to what you do, like House Hunters for me, it's directly related to what I do for a living. So yeah. I was speaking at a, an event and someone came up to me and said, hey, I just shot an episode of House Hunters. You would be perfect. I got a connection of a contact, but that I had to go through casting. That didn't mean they didn't want to come to Oklahoma. They thought we were rednecks with no teeth. They didn't want to come. <laughs> oh, no. So we had to convince them and pitch them and go through a very, very vigorous casting process. So once we got them convinced to go, we got them convinced our buyer was the perfect buyer for the show. You know, the rest was history. But you just research the shows and the, and the different things that you want to be on 
And, you know, you can do a lot of Googling and you can learn a lot from YouTube about casting things that you, how you have to present yourself because you're selling yourself. You are ratings. So you really just need to be yourself first and foremost, because they can sniff you if you're trying to portray yourself, someone you're not just to get on TV. So just being yourself and identifying, you know, not everybody's meant for TV, but a lot of places are looking for content, blogs, newspapers, your local media start. Even if you have to have someone at Fiverr for five bucks or 10 bucks, write you a press release or a media release or a human interest story about your clients, no matter what industry, you know, you, you really do have the opportunity to get mass exposure because you don't have to be a writer. You don't have to be an That's actor. True. So and one of the things we've done has been reality TV. So they want me to be me. So, <laughs> you know, I don't have to remember a script or anything like that. They want me to be off the cuff and just be completely transparent. So yeah, that, that's that. worked well. Well, and, you know, I didn't have a paycheck for seven months when we started real estate. And that's a long time. We only had $30,000 in our bank account when we quit our jobs. Not very much money when you have all these kids. No, not at all. Braces, you know, just things happening every month. So we, my dad is a farmer. And so when I felt discouraged, my dad's never worked for the man. He got his degree. He went right back in the family business. I called him and I said, dad, we've done every actionable step to Tell everyone that we're realtors now. We did open houses. We've door knocked. We've called everybody's brother and their brother's brother. And we've done this for seven months, gone to every educational class. We're competent. We're ready to serve, but nothing has happened. And he said, what have you watched me do your entire life? And I said, well, you watch the weather because farmers watch the weather. Like it's like (laughs) their main thing. Right. He said, you've watched me get up every day rise early and you get up and you watch me plant, nurture, plow, till before the harvest, months and months and months before just a few week process of harvest. You've done everything. And he goes, I can't wait to see your harvest, but you have to be faithful. That's right. You can't give up. And I needed to hear that that day. So shortly after that, the last five months of the year, we sold 40 homes, which the average agent sells oh like. Oh my four, gosh, Denise, 10. that's amazing. Well, God told me you were faithful and you're mm-hmm. where you're supposed to be. Because I was questioning, well, maybe God really doesn't want, maybe that's my desire and not his. I was, um, I had a lot of questions about that. In our case, I feel like God takes us through things in our lives. Like my divorce was so terrible and it was so difficult and so painful that I had an opportunity to become a certified divorce real estate expert and also a family law mediator. And so I was getting so many clients that were getting divorced and I had a really deep empathy, but I needed high conflict skill resolution and I needed to be well-versed in the legal process because it's going, it's going along simultaneously, right? Right. At very different speeds. And you can't just have a regular realtor navigating that. No, you're so right. And I want, because what we love to do is also give, you know, a tip or two for our Mm -hmm. um, listeners to take away. And so listeners, even if you're not ready for HDTV or um, (laughs) one of the talk shows, 
to Denise's point, there are other mechanisms to start getting your perspectives and words out. Uh, You can start locally, like she said, in speaking locally. There's the HARA website, Help a Reporter Out. I use that. They're always asking for quick quotes and questions. You got to be spot on on that and sign up to their list. But those get um, used in major publications many times. And that helps to give you backlinks and exposure. So I say all that to say, and um, Denise, you feel free to poke holes in the advice, but show up where you can and and feel most comfortable. Just go ahead and start planting those seeds because you never know what kinds of seedlings and verse will come out of those. Um, And also be the digital mayor of your space, your niche. It may not be real estate. I mean, it could be any other you know, business that you're in, start with little bite-sized videos, commit to doing three little 30 second videos that you're putting on the Instagram story, make a reel, start doing, you know, Troy says, our life is is my documentary. I document everything. I used to be a photographer. I love telling stories. I like being behind the camera as much as I like being in front of it. So earn the right by treating your clients in a way that you make them feel like they're close to you and they can trust you and they'll start sharing their stories and allowing you to tell their stories. But you can start small, you know, you can just start small with little, little videos um, on your social media. Absolutely. Be the star. You're actually the star of your own Facebook page. You don't need permission. No, you know, you own that. You have all Mm -hmm. Every day, you're the it's final like decision your maker. Theater. You're the talent. You're everything. So take yeah. advantage of it. Take All advantage these tools of it. out there. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. You don't have to have a TV show. No, not at all. Not at all. So Denise, I always love to ask the guests. And as you know, I wrote a, a book on uh, leadership execution and leadership branding, mm-hmm. and it's all about how some of the world's best um, individuals and companies got there? You know, what did they actually do to get there? And so long story short, my audience knows we did a lot of research and flushed out the top seven that were applicable no matter your industry or if you're employed, your career stage, you know, it just, these tactics really help them up-level their ability. And so you were so kind to share with me um, that leading with a drive for results really popped out for you. And so I'd love to, for you to explain to the listeners why, why did that uh, tactic resonate a lot with you? That one really jumped out at me because I, Troy is a little bit more laid back than me. And so (laughs) I'm someone that needs to be reined in and paced often. Um, I go full throttle. I waited over two decades to do this. And I also lost my mother at such a young, tender age that I know we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So that has created an even deeper drive for getting results because I live like there is no tomorrow. So I am in overdrive in my tenacity and I am action oriented. And, you know, I want to, I don't just make a list and it it never comes to fruition. Like Mm -hmm. I am committed wholeheartedly, no matter what hurdle comes in place to get to the finish line. And so that has been a blessing and a curse because you have to have quality of life as well. And you have to put your relationships and you can't just come home every night empty for the people that love you and count on you. So as much as I love the driving results and it, it's a fire in my belly. um, It is what really fuels me every day. 
Um, I do want to make sure that I don't come home with an empty tank because that is so innately within me to always be pushing. Like I will reach a goal and then I'm always like, what am I doing next? I don't ever just sit there and savor it. And you got to learn to sit and savor the accomplishments that you've made. And so that's been something I've worked on. So that leads into a great question. And because you are so driven and you have, you're multi-passionate, it's about a lot of things. What does it take for you to lead on at the top of your game? How do you provide that sanity or self-care or refocus? Or do you do it well? I mean, in the mornings I get up and have, I get up early. I get up about 6.30. I do my devotion. I get on my elliptical. I water my plants. I um, have a smoothie with, you know, protein energy shake. Um, I don't even need caffeine. So I'm just, you know, I'm kind of like, I'm one of those (laughs) annoying people that bounces out of the bed, like an energizer bunny. And everyone else is like, please be quiet. Like, don't talk to me for two hours, you know? Right. So, um, but it's important for me to have that, that quiet time before I throw myself into the chaos. Cause in, in my line of work, I always call myself a fireman. You know, a lot of my day is putting out fires and solving problems. It's not all glamorous, like steak and a salt sign, you know, and (laughs) everything's, you know, rainbows and butterflies. A lot of my day is dealing with people that are going through divorce or death. And it's not a happy time. Um, Selling their home is not happy. So I spend a lot of my time doing things that are really draining but necessary for me to walk arm in arm with our clients and counsel them and love them. And that relationship and that trust we have helps our relationship transcend the transaction. So oh, you know, they're just, they're in my life. They're in my tribe. I bet they have you on speed dial when a colleague <laughs> yeah, a do. Deal, right? <laughs> yeah, a lot of them, a lot of them do. <laughs> and, you know, because you appear to be a great reader of people and you have a high degree of emotional intelligence. I'm, I'm just um, curious, is there a leader or brand or company out there that has really impressed you? And how did they do that? There's an author that I found through a podcast on public speaking And the podcast is Grant Baldwin. And he, if you want to get into public speaking and honing your skills, um, it's, it's a really great podcast. Jesse Cole, he wrote a book called Find Your Yellow Tux. He started out as broke. He sold his house to buy a minor league baseball team in Savannah, Georgia. Was living on an air mattress. Everybody told him, you're dumb. You're buying this team that has no tickets. Nobody cares about it. Well, he has created this baseball team where it's basically breaks out into a circus and he's the greatest showman. So wow. the baseball, the baseball game is a circus. The, the uh, players dance, the cheerleaders are banana. It's Savannah bananas, banana, nana. So the grandmas, the cheerleaders are grandmas, anything that's normal. He does the opposite. And so he now has an ESPN show. He has a best-selling book. He has a training program and he's one of the most highly sought after leadership speakers in the country. Well, wow. I read the book and it inspired me to read, to write my book. And so I reached out to him on LinkedIn. And this is another thing for your listeners, reach out to the authors. They want to hear how your book resonated, 
how it, you know, made a stirring in your heart and your spirit to move you into action or encourage or empower you. Authors want to hear that. And so I wrote him and I said, you are my spirit animal. You're my brother from another mother. And I said, I want to be on your podcast. And I thought he'd be like, who are you? (laughs) They said, yes. So I got on his podcast and then I was chosen out of 20 people in the country. He picks people from all over the country in different industries to go behind the scenes and watch how they've created this magic. The tickets for their baseball games are over $300 and they're sold out for four years. I mean, this man has been enormously blessed. Wow. So I got on the podcast, got picked to go to the leadership deal. Well, COVID happened. I didn't get to go. Now I'm hosting the show American dream and guess who's coming here to play baseball next month. So I get a hold of them and I said, I want to feature you as my segment. So as the American dream, you're living your American dream and I'm hosting the show. And he said, yes. So I get to meet him in person and feature him on the show and go behind the scenes. I'll probably end up in a banana costume just to be, (laughs) you know, with the cast, but that is someone that inspired me so much and, you know, just reaching out to someone and telling them how much their work inspired me has made this relationship come to fruition in a beautiful way. So I encourage people reach out when someone that you admire or you're watching on YouTube, because if you can't afford a coach, sometimes you've got coaches and mentors everywhere. That is true. And I will uh, vouch for that piece of advice. Um, When I wrote my book, I admired Simon T. Bailey, who used to be a sales executive at Disney. And Uh he struck out on his own to be a a world speaker. But I knew he was extremely busy. I wasn't sure if he would even be willing. And lo and behold, he did. He was so happy to do so. So point you don't know until you're asked. No. And you know, Jesse Mm -hmm. Cole, Hero was Walt Disney. And so Ah. he went to Disney and he had his whole staff. They go to Disney and they they do what's called re-engineering, reverse engineering service. And they go through the park of somewhere with a creator they love. And they write down things that made them feel special and things that they're doing different. And they do this, you know, a couple times a year at different places, but they always go to Disney World. And so it's, it's really cool. He's used, hey, this person inspired me. I want to go reverse engineer. What are they doing to make things so magical? Because it's all about how we make people feel. That is, that is absolutely right. And it's spot on. And that's also what we teach in, in our workshops on, you know, really to a few things, how to differentiate yourself, number yeah. one, as a leader, because people want, they don't want to follow the status quo. They want right. to know what you're bringing so special to the table, you know, and then number two is re in, uh, reverse engineer um, successes so that yes. you can learn from in all them. industries. I mean, you can learn that's from, right. yeah, that's, I, I think it's, I think it's amazing. And there was a, a company that's a heat and air company. And I read a book called raving fans one time. And one of the things they were saying was this guy, he asked every one of his clients, what is your favorite thing. What is your favorite item under $20? It was just like a text he sent to the clients. Well, every, you know, people are like, okay, they like, they like to talk about themselves. So <laughs> sent the item back. It might've been a Snickers. It might've been a shake. It could have been any number of things. Well, when they would go to do their next appointment, guess what they came with? 
that item. That thing. Oh, that is tremendous. Every single time. Every single time, huh? <laughs> it's something different. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> something different, but meaningful, but meaningful as yeah. well, because it mattered to them. Well, I literally promised this at the beginning. I said we were going to blink and uh, boy, yeah. time flies. <laughs> but Denise, thank you so much you. for the gift of your time and being on the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast. Thank you so and, much. Um, and also, please let us know. We'll have it in the show notes, but let the listeners know where to find you for more information. You can find me on Instagram really easily. Denise Sells Oklahoma, D-E-N-I-S-E. And then you can order my book on Amazon it's called Out of the Box. And I would love to hear from you. If you read it, I'd love your feedback. Oh, so she's inviting you listeners <laughs> and we'll have all the links in the show notes. But thank, thank you, you all so much for the gift of your time. And we'll see you next week on our next episode. Take care. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Denise Schroeder, founder and co-CEO of Schroeder Real Estate Group. Links to her bio, her entry into our leadership playbook, and additional resources can be found in the show notes, both on your favorite podcast platform of choice and on the web at leadyourgamepodcast.com. And now for Karen's take on today's topic of vulnerable storytelling. While the concept of storytelling is powerful, I want you to know that there's a difference between just telling a story and crafting a narrative. Telling a story is something that we all do every day, sometimes dozens of times a day. But when we tell a story, we tend to focus on the way that something happened. And most of our stories answers the five whys. What happened, when it happened, where it happened, who it happened, and what they did about it, right? But when we craft a narrative, we take a different approach to storytelling. Crafting a narrative is all about creating a memorable audience experience, one that's designed to produce emotion or that resonates with who you're speaking to. And as leaders, the highest purpose of crafting a narrative is to communicate meaning to whoever you're talking to and reveal new perspectives in a way that motivates them to act. Crafting these types of narratives requires two tools vulnerability to express something honest about ourselves and a strategy to understand exactly when to reveal it. It is a realistic and practical way of using our own personal stories to connect with your teams or audience. I also want to share a quick tool that you can use to construct your story. It's a simple story structure that is used by the public narrative model of leadership and organizing. And you can find that link in our show notes and it's also on the web. So first, you start by thinking of a powerful choice that you made in your personal professional life. And you think about what was a key moment when you turn to your values to decide what you should do. And then you answer the following three questions. The first, what was the challenge that you faced that demanded such a choice? Number two, what was the choice you made? Why did you make it? And how did you feel? And number three, you should answer what was the outcome of the choice and what did it teach you? Vulnerable storytelling is one topic that we do cover in our signature leadership development experience called Leading at the Top of Your Game. So if you or your organization is interested in 
increasing the savvy of your employees to better lead in the moment, please take three seconds to check out the program on our website at shockinglydifferent.com. And as you all know, my one ask of you all uh, at the end of every episode is that you subscribe, like, and review the podcast, and please share with just one friend because you all help us extend our reach and that helps us extend our power to help others just like you to lead at the top of their game. Thank you so much for tuning in and see you next week. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we help you lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. You can check out the show notes, additional episodes, bonus resources, and also submit guest recommendations on our website at leadyourgamepodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn by searching for the name Karen Rhodes with Karen being spelled K-A-R-A-N. And if you like the show, the greatest gift you can give would be to subscribe and leave a rating on your podcast platform of choice. This podcast has been a production of Shockingly Different Leadership, a global consultancy which helps organizations execute their people, talent development, and organizational effectiveness initiatives on an on-demand project or contract basis. Huge thanks to our production and editing team for a job well done. Goodbye for now.